This episode contains discussion of what may be sexual assault. Viewer discretion is advised. We've been following the Bigfoot family letter from Alberta, portraying oil in a bad light. And your child made us watch it. It wasn't a great movie, but it was a movie, whatever. The plot, and sorry, spoiler alert, involves a rich oil baron who wants to explode a bomb underneath the ground in Alaska to release the oil so it's easier to get to. It is hilarious because this is actually somewhat something that was planned in Alberta in the 60s, and it was called Project Oil Sand. Huh, praise me. There's actually a wiki page on it. I can't believe that's the plot of a children's movie. In 1958, there was a proposal to exploit the Athabasca oil sands in Alberta via the underground detonation of up to 100 nuclear explosives. Hypothetically, the heat and pressure created by an underground detonation would boil the bitumen deposits, reducing their viscosity to the point that standard oil field techniques could be used. So they wanted to exploit it so that the oil would leave the sand and they could just do normal mining. The only thing that stopped it, honestly, was Canada's decision to go non-proliferation in 1962. Hmm. Yeah, sometimes it's just as crazy as the movies. Didn't happen, though. Probably stopped by a Bigfoot family, but who's to know? Maybe that's why Alberta's mad. (laughs) How did they know? Anyhow, let's get going with this episode. From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on our journey to the fringe. Welcome once again to Journey to the Fringe, where we are still continuing our deep dive into the world of cryptids, more particular wild men's of the world. Now, the stories we've been looking at so far, we did a very general look at the idea of what a cryptid is. Mm-hmm. We looked specifically at Bigfoot and really the stories that are coming from North America. Then mm-hmm. we went around the world to kind of give you a general idea of what's out there. And we decided at this point what we really want to do is look at some of those stories that don't quite match up with this template that's out there for what a Bigfoot or a wild man would be doing. Yeah, naturally occurring Bigfoot, Sasquatch, yeah. We... As opposed to artificially occurring Bigfoots. Paranormal. Oh, yes, yes. Paranormally okay. occurring. So and weird. I-, I think we both picked out some stories that just, not necessarily paranormal, but just fall outside the normal spectrum of what you would expect from a Bigfoot sighting. Mm-hmm. That we've covered especially so far. That so far we have covered. We've they, covered it from a naturally occurring Sasquatch. And we are not just looking at Sasquatch Bigfoot in North America. In fact, a lot of what I'm looking at falls very much so outside of that. And I'm going to start us off right now with a much lesser known cryptid Bigfoot-like being known as Mande Barung. And I do apologize for my pronunciation. That is, I believe it's Hindi. I think it was Persian. Perfect. As somebody who doesn't speak Hindi, talking to another person who doesn't speak Hindi, we can only assume it is perfect. So the Mande Barung does come from India. And if you're ever looking at a map, India, it it is a subcontinent, but it does kind of hook up on the northeast part with the rest of Asia. And that's right where Bangladesh is. There's a little part that gets cut out and India goes over Bangladesh. And this area actually forms a border with Myanmar, also known as Burma. There's a lot of things political going on there, but we just want to talk about the weird, so we're not talking about that. This is the Gora Hills in this region that is just above and to the east of Bangladesh, is where you're going to find this creature, the Mande Barung. And this is 
a lot of this area is a nature reserve. There are even parts of it. I was watching a few videos on people looking for the Monde Barung in this area. And when you hike in there, you can't be in this area after dark because it is both a tiger sanctuary and an elephant sanctuary. So these are areas where you just humans sparsely are. I do have a brief description of the Mande Barung. This is going to sound like we've talked about this before. The color of the hair is reported to be black or blackish brown. Mm -hmm. Some kind of foul odor or smell emanating from the body. It has a footprint pug mark size of about 13 inches to 15 inches in length and may be anywhere from seven and a half feet tall to nine feet tall and it may weigh 300 kilograms but unfortunately i don't think anybody's picked them up before or put them on a scale so this is all just based on soil yes, marks i'm guessing it is noted to be a herbivorous creature so it's been seen eating bananas tubers so potatoes carrots anything that you can grab from the ground that has good caloric intake fruits berries barks it has been seen eating crabs, which I find interesting, and that is as of a sighting that occurred in 2002. Unfortunately, there aren't a lot of people, or at least sightings, that are well documented of this creature. But it is, for the most part, known as a friendly wild man that's living out there. Good. And Mande Borong actually does mean a man of the forest. Mm -hmm. And he is thought of as kind of a forest guardian, like a lot of them are. Yeah, they are. But the one I want to look at, and it is a very tiny portion of this account, and it's the only part of the account I can find, but it is reported in multiple locations that this occurred, but I can't find the actual sighting itself. It occurred in January 18th of 1990. A local man in the area was kidnapped by a Mande Barong, and he was forced to breastfeed off of the Mande Barong. Mm -hmm. And that's the entirety of the account that I can find outside of you him describing. I can't find anything else, but I found two people citing it. It's on the Cryptid Fandom website. It's the Wikipedia for cryptids, as well as a Quora article on it. But one might be citing the other. So this is very poorly documented. A man on January 18th of 1999 reported this, and he said the milk was sour with a mixture of bitterness. <laughs> So we know a little bit more about the wild men in general, I guess. <laughs> I'm, I'm wiser having known that now. Yeah. So they are a little too friendly, it appears. And we're actually going to stay in India with my second thing I want to talk about here. I do have three things to talk about. We talk about the Mande Barong. Now I want to talk a bit about the Monkey Man. And the Monkey Man is still in India. We're looking at a different part of India. So we're looking at that little kind of, I would call it a politically mapped peninsula. Okay. That is in India with that part of Bangladesh that's cut out. The Monkey Man hails from, at least as far as we know, the sightings all happened in Delhi. Okay. The Monkey Man, as opposed to the Monday Barung, which is seven and a half feet tall to nine feet tall, maxes out at five and a half feet tall. And oh, he's this, a short guy. This Monkey Man rained terror on Delhi in May of 2001. And he ran about the city and was attacking people. And they had claw marks, just general attack marks. Several people died that year from these Whoa. encounters, but most of them were out of terror of seeing the monkey man. They either fell downstairs or fell off buildings. Mm. He is not consistently described, but anywhere from four foot six to five foot six. So what here. sets him apart from a eight? An Ape? Because he's a lot shorter than a regular Bigfoot would he be. He is, but... He's about my size. If you look at it, the biggest monkeys in India are gibbons. And gibbons are not black. They are very 
They're blonde colored. And I believe they top out at about three feet. And they can be aggressive, but if you're attacked by a gibbon, they bite. And very rarely, it did happen, but very rarely were people reporting that the monkey man was biting. I'm going to go through this portion of it a little bit. On 13th of May, 2001, 15 people suffered injuries ranging from bruises to bites and scratches just on that day alone Mm. in New Delhi. On May 15th, 2001, a pregnant woman fell down some stairs fleeing after the neighbor shouted that they had seen the monkey man. Unfortunately, a four foot tall wandering Hindu person was beaten up by an angry mob who thought he was a monkey man. There was a bit of a fear of what was going on here. Eyewitnesses accounted that he was somewhere between four and five and a half feet tall, covered in thick black fur. And this is the weird part. Supposedly wore, and I don't know if this changed throughout, but he wore a metal helmet and he had metal claws and he wore pants and had glowing red eyes and would wear a three buttons on his chest. Um, why did I find that so easily? Yep. That's him? Yeah, that's one of the descriptions. The police actually released documents saying watch out for this. That is what they described him as looking like. Oh. And they made it way too adorable. <laughs> we'll put it up on the socials. Yeah. The entirety of this account, there was a big splash in the middle of May of 2001, but sightings occurred up until July 2002. And they do vary a little bit, but at the end of the day, like they mostly describe something in that range with black hair. Some people said it was wearing clothes, so they felt it was an escaped lab ah, specimen, which is crazy, but that's what they were saying. Well, I mean... Yeah, and there is an official explanation. It is that it was mass hysteria, which you're going to see with a lot of those one-off ideas true especially when it's causing so much panic like that and people are falling downstairs and yeah if people start dying they start to freak out especially if anybody says and this looks strange yeah it can mass hysteria sightings are crazy when it comes to my last one this is the longest of the three we're gonna look at we're gonna be heading over to russia and it's a little earlier so we're talking about fairly recent things in the last 25 years Mm -hmm. This is going way back. So we're actually going to go back. Hard to peg it down. I've read a few articles Mm -hmm. on it. It's anywhere from 1850 to 1870. Now, there have always been tales of wild species living in this region of Russia. And it's more or less Siberia, but it's between the Georgia and Russian borders. Okay. Ochamchir region of Georgia. Oh, it is in Georgia. Yes. I would be hard-pressed to tell you where it is now. And especially the articles that I've looked at, some of them just refer to it as Georgia, and some people refer to it as Georgia in Russia. So it really depends on when this was written. These are very unstable times for border. So there was a trader... Eji Ganaba. He's a well-known nobleman and seafarer in the late 1800s in Russia. And he had heard tales of the wild people living in this region. So mm-hmm. he set on an expedition to find them. Sometime either in the 1850s or the 1870s, he found one. It was a female with thick black fur across her body. She was six foot six, also with darker features. Very strong body. She's described to have a thick bosom. And sorry, I do need to add this. There are parts Parts of this story that might be triggering to some people. So at this point, if you have issues with hearing about sexual assaults, now would be a good time to skip about 20 minutes forward in this episode. They found this creature, six foot six, hairy humanoid. And Ganaba here decided to name this creature Xana. And finding this specimen that is very rare, he decided what he wanted to do was keep it. So he, he built a cage for it in his small village in Russia. And he proceeded to keep it and he would tour it around and 
basically show it off to make money off it. Mm-hmm. Zana initially was fairly aggressive, but over time she became more domesticated, peaceful with everybody, wouldn't fight back as much. Now, she's described as, first off, she slept outdoors in Russia. She did not like wearing clothes. She would dig a hole for sleeping in. And she's described as being able to run as fast as a horse and swim upstream on a raging river very easily. Mm-hmm. She was offered clothes many a time. She would not want to wear them. She did not speak any human languages that they could identify, nor could they teach her any language. And at this point, after a couple years, she is being toured around. At some point here, while she's being toured around and in this village, she's taken advantage of by local villagers, and she becomes impregnated. She has a humanoid child, and the first instinct she has when she gives birth to this child is to take it to the river to clean it. Now, when she does this, the child dies very shortly after because the water is too cold for it. After that, they realize that if she's going to have any more children, the villagers, that they need to take the child away from her before tries to do this again. She, in total, was impregnated five times while she was living there. Four of her children survived. Due to the abuse that Zana took while she was living in this village, she apparently became a very heavy alcoholic, and she died sometime about 1894. In the 1890s, sorry, she died. Zana's children, she had four children. Two of them, there are pictures of. You can find them on websites fairly easily this is what one of them looks like okay i was just looking at that okay there's that one and there is this one Oh, I found both of those yes. very easily. So if you look up Xana Russia Wild Man Children, you will find pictures fairly easily. And they also they describe... Normal. Yeah, but... And I am going to get into this right now. Okay. So, sorry, not right now, but soon. Her children also, likewise, were described as being abnormally strong. But they were upstanding citizens. They lurked in the mines and very strong. I hope everybody at this point has looked at these photos because there are still living descendants of Zana in a remote part of Russia. And a scientist who had heard the story decided to investigate it. Okay, good. That's what I was hoping for. Yeah. And his name is Professor Brian Sykes. He found six living descendants of Zana to take saliva samples from. What he found is that they had genetic indicators that were well outside of what the normal villager in this region of Russia would have. Mm-hmm. And this variant is 100% sub-Saharan African. Mm. Putting that together with the pictures of the children here. Yeah. The best story I've heard is the Ottoman Empire got very close to Russia in its heyday. Mm -hmm. What could have happened is an escaped slave left the Ottoman Empire and happened to be in that region when these people went looking for a wild man. And they found somebody who looked significantly different than the norm. Yeah. And somebody during that time. And somebody who wanted to market a wild man to people could very easily do it in a part of the world that hadn't seen a sub-Saharan African before. And then the rest of the story is very tragic from there it is yeah and i think it is fairly easy to embellish a story about what more or less would be a freak show in the day yeah somebody who can swim against the current can run faster than a horse if you're seeing them on display in a tent it's pretty easy to just say that they can do that yeah yeah so and especially if you look at those kids like there's no they doubt there's no doubt about yeah. it yeah they just look like they have some very african features yeah well 
That wasn't a nice story. No, we are done with that part. I hope everybody's okay after that. It is an interesting story, but I do unfortunately think it's a misidentified human. Yeah, I've heard that was one badly that story abused. come up actually yeah. a few times in all the stuff that I've listened to. Yeah. Wow. That was a disappointing story, but I guess it was right for the time. Well, not right for the time, but... No, and honestly, that's when there were freak shows going across the U.S. Yeah. who would all say they have a Bigfoot yeah. or a giant or something along Very those lines. Very small-minded time. This concludes part one of Bigfoot Gets Weird. If you would like to learn more about Bigfoot hanging out with UFOs, flying around, and making some cheap knockoff bird calls, then please join us in part two.